Hi, this is Ed Sheehan. I want to welcome you back to another episode of Colony Confidential. We're going to be answering a lot of more questions tonight. I hope we are of some service to solve some people's problems. Even if you don't have these problems, you may get them in the future. We didn't get through all of our questions last time, so no, no banter. We're just going to jump into the first question here. Yeah. I'm seeing roaches in my living room and dining room area, especially around the windowsills. That's kind of weird. I have two questions. Can roaches come from my next door neighbor's house across a lawn? And how can I take care of this myself? I have two kids and a dog. You know, this is the second do-it-yourself DIY question. I almost feel like we shouldn't be answering these for free. But we're we're solid citizens. We like to help our, our fellow man. Allegedly. However... Your results are not going to be the same as the results we would get. It's uh, I don't know what you do for a living or what your husband or wife does for a living, however it works out. But whatever they do, we tell you we probably couldn't do it as well as them. And they couldn't do it as well as us, and neither can you. But we'll try and accommodate you. First of all, no, uh, I haven't heard any issues about roaches walking across a lawn. And remember, roaches, are you, see, we don't know what state you're from, unfortunately, but you guys have American cockroaches down south, and I'm not saying you, but down south, American cockroaches are in the streets. So if you're seeing them on the lawn, that doesn't mean they're coming from your neighbor. Our first thought, and Ed, correct me if I'm wrong, is German roaches, right? Right. That's, so German roaches, like he said, it's, they're not coming across you alone. But you made a good point. If you are down south, these American cockroaches down here are known as palmetto bugs, and they do fly. It seems strange that you would see them around the, um, the windows in your dining room and living room, because usually roaches are, hang out in the kitchen and bathroom, because that's where the food is, and that's where uh, moisture is. Take into account that she does say she has two kids and a dog. Kids aren't as clean as us. So for the living room area by the windows, we're going to give you some do-it-yourself tips, even though it's, 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 yeah, against, don't it's against our don't entrepreneurial despair. spirit. Please don't hang up. But, don't, um, don't, don't throw this out. We're going to give you some tips. Also, the dog. I got a lovely dog. Her name is Lily. I rescued her from Puerto Rico. A lovely 22-pound puppy who now is a 69-pound lap dog. <laughs> uh, but, you know, she'll eat, but, eh, you know, I'm not going to eat all of it. I'll leave a little for Lena. And you know where, we know where she eats? Right by a windowsill in my living room. Wow. Imagine that. So, you know, listen, roaches are not stupid. Hey, there's food. Let's go chomp down on some food. And, yes, roaches have chewing mouth parts. So you're going to chew, whether you give them kibbles or, or wet dog food or whatever, They'll be all over that. Maybe you haven't noticed it there. But while we're talking about the windows, there are frames around your windows. And if it's like my house, those frames have a tiny crack. When they're put into the wall, there's always a little space in between. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, you can go to the store and get this roach bait gel. If you're in the New York area, right. there's over-the-counter places. It looks like a syringe that a doctor used, but it doesn't have the sharp needle. And you take this and go to these cracks because roaches like to live in a place. They'll spend 70 to 80% of their time. They like to feel something touching their front and back. And these spaces between the window frame uh, or the molding around the window, I think it would be more, more to the point, they might be hiding in there. You, you would put the gel there and just put a dot, then move about three or four inches, put another dot, 
and so forth and so on. Don't do it like you're corking the place. And if you buy this from a local pest control company that sells do-it-yourself, they should be able to guide you on how to do this as well and always buy from your local PMPs. Also remember that this is basic IPM, integrated pest management, which is what we should all be practicing in industry. Why are the roaches there? That's the first thing. Food, water, shelter. And How's he eating? How's he drinking? Where's he hanging out? Start to eliminate that stuff. Where's the party place for the roaches? So I would go, you know, in the living room, I would start lifting the couch or whatever furniture having to see what's going on any crumbs there. in that couch don't tell me no i know they're there <laughs> Vac- get those crumbs out of the couch <laughs> vacuum thoroughly you know all typical sanitation stuff and we're not saying you're not doing this i just think at times like this is where you need to be more diligent and see what exactly is going on find out the why the where alleviate all of that and apply the gel because now the roaches are going to be looking for a new food and you're going to become the caterer that supplies them with their new meal and it's going to be poison. Yeah, yeah, you can put on a chef hat. It makes you feel better. Remember, any money you find in that when you go through the couch, any send it to dimes, us. Yeah, send it to <laughs> Colony Pest Management. <laughs> My attention, Ed Sheehan, okay? Yeah. So just to recap your question, the neighbor's house across the lawn is an unlikely source of the cockroaches, especially if they're German, and how to take care of it yourself, sanitation. Find the why, the what, the where, eliminate that, and then apply. If you're going to do it over the counter, we would recommend a gel. You know, I'm talking about food, water, shelter. Here's the thing, too, what people make. So I wash the dishes every night. Yeah, but you leave them there and dry. And the roaches are going to they're gonna help you dry it out by drinking some of the water. Or do you do well, the dishes I'm every gonna night? I'm going to assume That's you do thing. the dishes right, every right. night. If you don't, you better do the dishes every night and dry the dishes, pots, pans, whatever you got to do. Make sure they're thoroughly dried. Um, there's also a board put by the sink, and it's got these racks where you store the dishes. Okay, you dried the dishes off, but that water drains into a plastic pan. You got to get the water out of that pan. There's this other cool thing I found. It's like a, a mat, and it soaks up the water and dissipates it rather quickly. So I don't know the name of it. You know, I'm an exterminator, not a housewife. But anyway, I found this thing, and it really works well. Oh, excuse me. Let me back up. I'm not a house person, man or wife, okay? Just oh, so you know, I don't want to hear no you. nasty calls. And if you do call, I might be on vacation. If they're nasty calls, I'll definitely be on vacation. If they're nice calls, I'm here. All right, anyway, dry it up. Store the food properly in, in plastic containers so they can't get at any food. And when I say food, I mean sweet and low sugar stuff in packets. Because remember, I told you, roaches have chewing mouth parts. And they get into that. You want to keep it out of the way. Good. I hope we answered your question. This reminded me of something. Do you remember when we had the CSI investigator come in that was an entomologist and his job was to go to crime scenes and figure out certain things about how long the body had been there and and he did this all through his entomology degree but the one thing that I'll never forget that he spoke about was a baby who died in a crib and had all these welts all over it they arrested the parents for child abuse it was determined that the baby actually died from SIDS sudden infant death syndrome and all of the welts and marks on his body was because the crib was infested with cockroaches that were in fact eating the baby because something with the food and everything. Do you remember this, what I'm talking about? It's, you know, babies are wonderful. But do we clean the crib properly? One of the biggest things that, that I remember, a child was in a crib and uh, the rats bit him. And the reason the rats bit him was um, he was, they gave him a bottle to go to sleep and he, and he did. He went to sleep, but there was a residue around his mouth of milk 
and the rats were licking the residue, and he woke up and startled a rat. A rat startled a kid, I think is more important. But anyway, the child startled a rat, and the rat bit him. And when a rat bites, he's going to twist. It's very difficult to suture that star- scar problem. You're twisting. My son remembers that from the movie. Do you remember the CSI guy, what I'm talking about? Yeah, he worked for the police department. Right. Yeah. Those people still, I think, uh, if if your baby's crib is that infested, I think there's still some child abuse going on there. You're not I mean, an ideal parent. Thankfully, the they least. did not kill their own child through that. I mean, it's sad, sudden infant death syndrome, but... I just, I never forgot what he told us about that. He, that he determined that the roaches were the cause of all of the marks on the baby. So roaches bite. They chew. Roaches bite, but we bite back. Let's wrap it up. Put, store the food properly. Do a little research. Check your couches. Check if there's any food on inside any of the couches, cushions. There's got to be food laying around. If you have any animals, which you do have a dog, put the dog food down. I'm not hungry now. Okay, screw it. You, I'll put it down again later. I'll store it somewhere where the roaches can't get it, probably in a sealed plastic bag. And maybe if it's 8 o'clock in the morning and the dog don't want to eat, maybe you'll be a little hungry around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You're not hungry then, maybe you'll be hungry at four, uh, 8 o'clock the next morning. Eventually the dog's going to eat the stuff. Don't let it hang around. And he got water for the dog too. Here's the water. Drink it. Not thirsty now? Boom. Take it away. Put it down later. Don't just lay it there. Those are probably also good training techniques for your dog. We all struggle with this, and this is a question that we always talk about. How do you come up with pricing for jobs? Okay. People ask me that all the time, and my stock answer is, I don't know. I got to go there and take a look at it. But let me lay it out for you. How much is your time worth? You know, I got to go look at this job. They tell me over the phone it's 10,000 square feet. Well, that ain't enough. I got to go look at it. Because 10,000 square feet, is that four walls? Or are there other walls in there? Offices, there's a kitchen in there, there's a bathroom in there. That's going to take my time. What is my time worth? Is it worth $125 an hour? Is it worth 150 an hour? So this job looks like it's going to take me an hour and a half. I'll use $100 an hour so we get the math done real easy. So that's $150 for my time. What is it going to take in pesticide-wise? How much pesticide do I have to use? Well, I got to look at the label. and I have to see what the label tells me, how much insecticide I got to put to a gallon of water. And figure out one gallon of water usually is 1,000 square feet. Okay, so you figure it out that way. Now, having told you that, we're not going to use 10 gallons on a 10,000 square feet operation here. Well, especially if, if you're doing an indoor job, right. lawn and, and ornamental is different. We're just going to use structural pest control for this, I guess, because that's what we're engaged in for the most part at Colony. The other question that I assume would be follow-up is how do you get to what you're worth an hour? There's formulas out there that industry professionals have shared over time. And how do you get there? And you have to take all of your expenses. You could put all this in a spreadsheet. I actually have a spreadsheet tied to dollar per hour per man. And you come up to what your technician cost you per hour. If you have multiple technicians and you want to break down each route, you do it that way. But for pricing of jobs, let's say it cost you $72 an hour all in to service an account with your cheapest or your most expensive, whatever the case is, you figure out the dollar per hour guy, and then you take SUDA, FUDA, Social Security, all your taxes. It's a math equation. And let's say it's 72 hours. How much do you want to make as the owner above that an hour? So do you go from 72? $72, not 72 hours. Yes, $72, excuse me. So I think that's what you have to do. And if you're paying for company vehicles, you have to factor in the payment of the truck, gas, tickets, insurance, 
all of your overhead, if you have an office, if you have an office staff and your office staff cost you $65,000 a year, you take that 65,000. If you have five employees, you divide it by five and you add that to your equation. You take your rent, your software, your light, everything, and you put all of this into an equation and then you get your $22 an hour guy cost you X, your $18 an hour cost you X, and then you know what each guy costs you on a route and for pricing jobs, you know that this is what I want to price it at because I want to make $50 an hour over what my costs are or whatever your margins are there, they're 30%. You, it should all be percentages. Remember when calculating your time, don't think how long is it going to take me to treat this area and install the mouse bait station or rat bait stations or whatever devices you're doing. You have to remember how long it takes you to put the bait in that bait station, potentially label that bait station, and if you like us, barcode scan and enter that information into your software. And all of that should be calculated into your bait station price. So we actually did this on multiple occasions where several of us did X amount of bait stations and we timed it. So we came up with an actual labor cost specifically for a rat bait station, a mouse bait station, catch-alls and tin cats. And we came up with these times. So let's say a bait station costs a dollar. You add it all to the bait station setup. If it takes you 10 seconds or 30 seconds of bait station and you're installing 100 bait stations, you add that to your hourly wage when you're calculating it in. And as you grow, you should be able to run a report every year that tells you how much material you use and then tell you what percentage of your business that is. And then it could just be a percentage rate. And any good company, they say, should be between 5 and 8% materials. Yeah, but, you know, we're talking about expenses. So how much do you want to make? Do you want to put 20% on that? Do you want to put 30% on what your expenses are? That's up to you. Anybody that first started in business is putting not so much profit on it. You want to get started. After that, you might want 20, 25%. In that equation, include your pay. So the same way I said the 65000 for the office goes across all the service technicians, you do the same thing. Your pay gets put across all the technicians. There your, you go. Your pay is not just what's left over. You want to include your pay as the owner in your hourly rates to guarantee that pay. You don't want to pay all your staff and then be like, oh, there's X amount left over. So come up with a salary that's reasonable for you. Obviously, you're going to have ups and downs, and you could change that as it goes, but that should be put across. If you're going to pay yourself 120 and you have have 10 technicians, then you just add an extra 12,000 to each of their equations to get to what they cost you per hour. And really your 120, you want to factor in all the other stuff too with the taxes and everything like that, which probably puts you closer to 180 with your vehicle and stuff. You're using the same equation for every position and any position that isn't actually producing has to get added to the technicians. So if service managers aren't really producing and they're really just overseeing and they're not generating actual revenue, they should get attached to that equation as well. And you could see how a $15 an hour guy then becomes a cost of $58 because you have all of these things on top of it that aren't producing. So price your jobs accordingly. I think we focus so much on attending seminars or informational workshops regarding how to get rid of the pests. We need to do more on bettering our businesses. I got a rudimentary spreadsheet from Dan Gordon. Not that he gave it to me, but during one of his talks, he showed it on the board and explained it. And I wrote every single thing down and we came up with our own spreadsheet on how to calculate what each technician costs us. I hope we answered your question. Of course, we'd like to hear from you if uh, we did not. Somebody wrote in, this is one of our fellow in arms, pest management professionals. Every year, one of my accounts is inundated with sow bugs and centipedes. How can I be proactive with this. 
we have similar issues in certain accounts. And the first question we asked, do you get mulch? Yes, we get mulch. When did you get it? It's funny you ask. We just got it a week ago. There's That's the cause. You're never going to stop these places from buying mulch, but there's treatments you can do proactively, preventatively. We have our accounts. We've asked them to tell us when they are going to put the mulch in. I would say out of the six that do this heavy mulching every year, maybe two of them actually tell us. And we go and we treat the exterior of the foundation knowing to stop them from getting in the building. This seems to work in those locations. You do that treatment before they actually become a problem. Right. This is cooperation with the customer. And like I said, two of six locations that do this every year and have the same issue actually remember to tell us. We actually have uh, reminders that go off in our software to call them and ask them when you're doing the mulch because that emergency call is always everyone going crazy. We need you immediately, which is good, but it's also we can prevent this. Talking about the mulch, that is a problem, uh, can be a problem um, because mulch is on top of the ground to retain moisture and these insects like moisture. I would also ask or take a look at the house and see if they're trimming their uh, bushes well or they're overgrown. We want sunlight to come in there to dry out the moisture as much as possible. You might have to rake some dead leaves away, but moisture is the big problem. Moisture is why they're there. If they get inside the house, I mean, vacuuming would be the best thing for that. These things, they're just another thing that God has put on the planet so we can make a living. Yeah, they're more of a nuisance pest than anything else. And no commercial establishment likes to be inundated with any type of pest. It's bad for business. Customers see it. God is kind. What I want to bring out here, too, and this has to do with all kinds of pest control. If you're a true pest management professional, you're an educator. You have to explain to the customer, the client, why they're there, why you think they're there. And if you do your homework and you stay up to date and you join New York Pest Management Association, and if you join uh, National Pest Management Association, you'll get more than enough information on their, on their websites so you can deal with just about any problem you're trying to solve. You have to educate the customer. This is what you have. This is how we can alleviate or, or suppress the problem. You need to tell us when you're getting mulch. Maybe you need to tell us if there's a flood in your neighborhood, like there is now in Breezy Point. There's floods today? <laughs> Yeah. How bad, Ben? No, not bad. You know, for Breezy, eh, normal. You know, you, you learn to, it, it's not like you can't, you're not waist deep. It's just that, you know, you're going to have some, there's a lot of water around the outside of the house. The mulch is nice and wet. I don't have a problem. I, have a, I don't have a problem because I know what to do. But anyway, listen to what I tell you and you'll know what to do then too. This is all moisture. How can you alleviate the moisture? It's best if you would, like Joe said, if, you, if you're getting some mulch in, let us know. We'll take care of it right away. Even though what I would say is, when do these things show up? They usually show up in late June, July? Actually, for us, I mean, I don't know about this person, but for us, it's usually March, April when they get the mulch. Okay, so what I would do is I'd be spraying the outside of the house middle or beginning of March. Right, and we don't know what this call is about, if it's a home or commercial. I'm talking about commercial accounts where they're spending, you know, six figures on the mulch. We actually tried to get them in this commercial account to spend the money on pebbles instead of the mulch, and we sold them a double-edged sword where they can also help with potential rodent issues. But they were like, you know, we're paying 125000 for the mulch every year, and to do the rocks one time is $2.5 million. So we figured we got 20 years of mulch. We're not going to do the rocks. 
I did it in my house out in the backyard. I had all these weeds, and I got I got this beautiful marble, crushed marble, and I got all the weeds out, and I put this crushed marble in there, and, and you know what? There's very little weeds out there, and because it's white, beautiful crushed marble, it's just so beautiful to look at. And I'm What is it to look at? Beautiful. What the hell is beauty? I'm trying to address Nick Lamatina down in Florida. Nicky Lemons? Yeah. Oh. Nicky Elbows. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it really looks nice. How's that? That's good. Did he go really? to the theater? No, but he asked your sister to, to, when she had that dog, uh, Zoe the Wonder Dog, to give him an expedition to see what the dog could do. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, we love you. I hope yeah. you're making rice balls. It's exhibition, Hammerhead. <laughs> oh man anyway we're alluding to some of the wonderful characters that we met in pest control who we love and and made this industry for us so so much fun productive and allowed us to lead a really good life but having told you that there's always these troublesome issues that pop up solving them yes we have to solve them and the way we the way i solved them i joined a pest control association and i was so thrilled when i found out that Jesus, these guys have been in business a lot longer than me, and they have the same problems. Misery loves company. But a lot of them had the answers. They told me the answers to these problems. And sometimes the answer comes when you least expect it. I went to a termite seminar once, and during the break, I unusually found myself in a bar with another gentleman who was much older than me, probably was younger than I am now. And I was telling, like, yeah, termites, but I got this really crummy problem with these bats and this guy gave me oh you got bats i'll tell you what to do and you know what i learned about bats that day so you never know when you're going to get the right answer but you got to get out there in a pest control association talk well we know you're going to get the right answers here i hope that our answer helped you somewhat if those of you are out there that are listening to this you have questions whether you're a homeowner you're a pest management professional a business owner if you have a problem that no other person can solve call us We'll solve it for you. For us to come out. We'll do our best to solve it for we'll you. We'll solve it for you. It's going to cost you because we'll come to your location and solve it for you. All right? Thanks for listening to Colony Confidential with the star of Rats, Edward J. Sheehan, who's a fucking natural, apparently. Oh, Ed Sheehan's a natural. Natural. Get out of here. <laughs> Colony Confidential booth 2230. October 22nd through October 26th at Pest World. We're going to be there. Look out for us. Really good time. I woke them up. Fun. Really good time. Fun and knowledge. Listen, stop by. If you have any war stories, we're looking to hear them. If you have any questions, we want to hear them. If you have any suggestions, we want to hear them. So we'll see you then. Until then, God bless you. Coming up next on Colony Confidential, my sister had a pet rat, <laughs> and we made fun of her all the time for it. But it was black and white. It was domesticated. It bit me all the time, but didn't bite anybody else, of course. Intelligent. The rat's name was Algernon. This rat was beating up the other rats. So we said, okay, we'll take this rat. It was a female rat. So we're looking at the rat, me and my office manager, Sammy, and we decided that this rat was hostile because it needed a mate. So we go over to our local pet shop, and we say, we need a male. So we throw the male in there. <laughs> We come in the next morning, and she bit them all around the eyes, and she beat the crap out of them. I go, holy God. She was just a rat with a nasty attitude. I mean, you meet people like that too frequently. The other story I remember about that, I was talking to my son, Joey, and I said, well, at least she's got rats, so not too many guys are going to date her. And the response was, yeah, yeah, except guys that like rats too, which kind of scared me. (laughs) 